Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hey. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome, MD Nation. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. And of course, on our YouTube channel, you should go ahead and subscribe to that with all the content we have. You can always check out our latest episodes if you missed one and feel like watching it. MD's Fantasy Football Show on YouTube. Subscribe when you get the chance. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And because it is the Thursday night, an early slate window of matchup previews that we have on you today. We're joined here with Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good today. I'm trying to keep up with all these questionable players. There's so many changes, so many situations that they kind of keep your arm this week. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's get right into it because we have some breaking news that we got to hit the top of the show off with. Breaking news. So first things up, we got to address the Dalvin Cook of it all. <laughs> this very, very odd story is very weird situation going on. So he comes out yesterday and kind of got ahead of the news a little bit because the first news break was about he is the victim in a domestic dispute. And then later on, we found out, oh, there's a lawsuit filed from the girl. And this all happened back apparently in November of 2020. I want to try to get the facts right. In Dalvin Cook's statement, he's accusing that this woman, who apparently is a sergeant, must be in the military, broke in, maced him, hit him, and then he defended himself. She's pretty much saying the exact same thing, but the opposite way around. So uh, (laughs) it's very, very weird. The important thing to remember is this, especially from a fantasy perspective. It's a civil lawsuit. There's The cops were never called in this situation. There's no charges being pressed. And it's a very much a he said, she said situation. If we've learned anything from the Dijon Watson situation, we should learn by now nothing is going to be resolved quickly. So as far as his availability goes, I expect to be available for the rest of the season. This maybe we have to revisit this next year, depending on what comes out of this case. But for now, I think you're fine with Alvin Cook. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, Unless something dramatic comes out that we're not aware of, and there's you know a second part of the story, 
as it stands right now, I don't think there's going to be any action taken by the NFL. Um, this reminds me of the Deshaun Jackson situation last year, where there was a similar thing where Deshaun Jackson supposedly hired somebody to break into an ex's house to steal some things back. Was that Deshaun, Deshaun or Jackson. Lashawn McCoy? I'm sorry, you're right. It was Deshaun McCoy. Was, it was Deshaun, yeah, Jackson, right? Deshaun, Deshaun McCoy. McCoy. Um, as far as I know, there was nothing that, you know, he didn't get suspended from the league during that time frame when he wasn't really playing. No. Um, he wasn't something that affected his availability in any kind of capacity. So I expect that to kind of, you know, be the precedent in a sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that as well. So don't worry about Dalvin Cook. I will say this, though. If you have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison's available, you should be owning Alexander Madison anyway. If this season has taught you anything, it is the value of the handcuff running back. My goodness. So, yeah, if he's available to you, you should be picking him up for other reasons besides this one. And the other piece of news, which is kind of non-news, I was hoping we would get to have a reaction so we'd be able to open up the show with this, but OBJ still a free agent. I thought he would sign today. I thought he would want to get into a building somewhere and try to get him, you know, inverse into a playbook, maybe be ready to make an impact starting next week because he wants to be with a contender. He wants to turn his career around. I would think he want to do that as soon as possible, but now I'm hearing it might be a few days from now. The big thing from what I'm taking away is this. He wanted it to be the Green Bay Packers, but the Packers are pretty much pursuing him the least of the group. I think that's what's kind of stalling out his decision-making process. Had they been a little bit more aggressive, I think the, the deal would have already been done. But, you know, the Green Bay Packers aren't allowed to have more than one wide receiver, and they're not going to be aggressive about doing it. I New England made a great push, apparently. The Saints are very much involved. The Chiefs are very much involved. So, Chris, before I get my take of it all, where do you want OBJ to go? Yeah, I was hoping that OBJ wouldn't wind up on any of those teams that we just mentioned. I think the ideal fits for him fantasy-wise would be the Indianapolis Colts or the Atlanta Falcons. Um, neither team has been you know, part of this discussion. I think the Patriots are a terrible fit for him. Green Bay would be an interesting fit. Kansas City would be an interesting fit. But I think, to me, if I wanted to see him actually be fantasy-relevant again, I thought the Atlanta or the Colts would have been the ideal situation for him. I, the Colts makes it Atlanta doesn't make any sense to me at all. That, that's a pretender. That's not a contender. So I never thought Atlanta was really in the cards in a serious way. The Colts make a lot of sense. I want him to go to Green Bay. That's where I want him to go. I think with, with Aaron Rodgers, with Devontae Adams, not only would it be great to see Aaron Rodgers actually have two wide receivers, which we haven't seen since Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in their heyday, but it'd be great to see Devontae Adams maybe not get double and triple covered every single week too. I'm just saying, just putting it out there. And for OBJ, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay situation is the best situation of all the variables he could enter into. And why I understand that's where he wanted to go. Because even with the Chiefs, you have Patrick Mahomes, that's great. But they have a lot of things on offense that need to get figured out outside of you know everything that's going on with the offensive line and the play calling right now. I don't know if OBJ necessarily helps that. Maybe he does. Maybe he turns around a struggling offensive line or struggling offense in general. But I think the place that would have been best for him to go would be the Packers. There's no questions there. As soon as Aaron Rodgers is back in this whole COVID situation, you pretty much know what to expect. And I think he has the best ceiling if he goes there. I know people are talking about the Saints because he would be the number one target there. But I don't want him to go play with Trevor Simeon or, or Taysom Hill. He'd be a, a wide receiver three based on volume alone. It has to be the Packers from a fantasy perspective. Now, from an NFL perspective, I do think that the Colts, again, make a lot of sense to me given the AFC is so wide open. 
The Packers, I think, also make a lot of sense from the NFL perspective, too. So do the Saints to some degree. What are you going to say, Chris? Yeah, I was going to say, I think there are some questions in Green Bay. Um, and I think it revolves around that offense in general. Can it feature a second receiver? I know Aaron Rodgers can, but we haven't seen that be material since Matt LaFour has been the offensive coordinator and head coach of that team. Um, so I do have some questions. They play at a very slow pace. They don't seem to feature the second receiver at all, primarily in their offense. I know these guys aren't com- comparable necessarily to OBJ, but you know Robert Tanyan and the other receivers really weren't have been involved most of this season, and that's something he's trying to escape a similar system in Cleveland where I think that maybe he wasn't going to get the volume, hopefully. Now, him and Aaron Rodgers, I love that fit, but I don't know if necessarily the scheme fits what he's trying to do fantasy-wise and have him production-wise. Um, as for the land, the reason I mentioned them was not that I necessarily think they're a contender. I just said for fantasy purposes, I think it's where he could actually have a chance to have, you know put up numbers and be kind of what you're saying. Like he'd be number one receiver, but not having Taysom Hill or, or Trevor, Trevor Simeon, God forbid, Trevor Simeon throw him the ball. We're going to talk about the Saints because I have a lot to say about the Saints later on in the show. We have a new sponsor, so I want to get a quick break in earlier on here because I want to get them announced out. I'm very excited to be sponsored up with these guys. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We have all the previews coming up for you right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the program. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, and, of course, on our YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And we got a little bit of a schedule change again this week. Well, we will be back on tomorrow night from 6 to 7.30 like we normally are on the Unhinged Radio Network, but we won't be back on on Thursday night. We'll be back Friday morning. And I actually don't have a definitive timeline for you guys just yet. I will promote that out as soon as I know. But it will be Friday morning. We'll do the full Thursday night recap and the late slate of preview matchups. And we'll be back again later Friday night with Chris Dowhauer and Chaz Flaherty as we go through the MD's DFS contest and our lock bets of the week. So all of that is coming up. But right now, it's time to get into the early window of preview matchups, starting with the Thursday night game. And on paper, Chris... It was supposed to be one of the better Thursday night games we've had in a couple of weeks, but now I don't think two is going to play. 
So this might just be an onslaught for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's start off with the Dolphins' side of the ball. To it is a game-time decision, although I don't believe for one second he's actually going to play in this game. I think they're going to wait another week. So what does he do, in your estimation, to a Jalen Waddle and a Mike Isicki in this matchup against the Ravens? I think he significantly impacts both those production overall. I think you're going to see both those guys still kind of be targeted and you know, the main guys who are involved. But Jacoby Brissett, when he's the quarterback, is not aggressive down the field. And the Colts even get – I'm not sorry, the Colts. Um, this team even gets even slower with Brissett as a quarterback. The Dolphins, that, with their offense, they, they, they basically try to milk the clock in a lot of ways so they don't get many plays off. So I think it definitely affects their fantasy production. It's never been easier to communicate with people but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Yeah, the volume will still be there. That's what's important for Jalen Waddle. That's what's important for Mike Isecki. It just might be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. I will say this, at least the Ravens defense is quite banged up in a certain key areas, so maybe it won't be as bad. But you're still playing these guys. I have Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 23 this week. I got Mike Isecki at a tight end five because it's still a great match against the Ravens. He's still going to get a lot of volume, and tight ends are brutal outside the top six right now. So Mike Isicki's still going to be my tight end five, still a must-play, and even Jalen Wallace, so a low-end wide receiver too. We saw last week eight catches for 83 yards. I don't see why he can't put up a similar stat line in this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens here. Maybe somebody breaks one, maybe they score, and you get a better fantasy day out of them than you even have anticipated for them. But there's still plays for me in the lineup. I think the real question is Miles Gaskin. What do you do with Miles Gaskin? Guy had 26 touches against the Houston Texans and put up nada as a result for it. Very unlike him. He's usually very efficient. He's usually like five yards a carry. This should be a decent matchup on paper. The Ravens have been very hit or miss if they decide they want to show up and play run defense that particular game. Brandon Williams is questionable heading into this matchup. He should have at least one more week of having all the volume because Malcolm Brown's not in the picture. So he winds up coming in for me at RB20, low in RB2. Chris, do you feel okay having to play Miles Gaskin this week? Yeah, I'm going to make him more as a flex option, but I think he's an opponent, definitely a guy you can consider having in your lineup. I'm not so excited about the running game opportunity for him. I'm more excited. I think he's going to have some passing situations and be involved in the passing game. You talked about the other two pass catchers. I think he's going to be that third pass catcher primarily. Ravens have been susceptible now the backfield to back. So I think he can have some a decent floor for you out there. Uh, Dan commenting in, he's still in a bind between Gasecki or George Kittle. It's George Kittle this week because uh, he doesn't have Joe Kobe Brissett throwing him the football. So that should make it nice and easy for you there. Uh, as far as Will Fuller, I want to give an update there. Apparently he is improving. Obviously he won't play this week, but he may be a week or two away. Chris, are you stashing Will Fuller at all? I'm not right now. Um, I think for right, you haven't seen this offense kind of have all the weapons together, but I think the pecking order is kind of set in the sense that Devontae Parker seems to be the primary alpha. Waddle and Gusecki kind of fight for that second role. I don't know how much Will Ford is actually going to be involved in this offense in general, particularly because the offensive line has struggled so bad and it's been so poor for pass protection. You can't really get down the field. 
he's not going to probably be the underneath guy because the other guys are kind of eating up that area. So I do kind of have concerns. I want to see what he's going to do first before I have a guy like that on my roster taking the spot. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. I think Devontae Parker is a stash, especially of an IR spot. I don't think Will Fuller is because of his role. Uh, the flip over the side, the Raven side. Look, you're playing Lamar Jackson. He's been uh, the quarterback position in general this season has been very, very weird. Where a lot of top quarterbacks are not consistently finishing inside the top 10, top five. We'll talk about a few of them here today. Lamar Jackson's been right up there with them, but in this matchup against the Dolphins with his rushing ability, he does come in a QB2 for me. It should be a nice matchup on paper, but the Dolphins defense is playing better over the past couple of weeks. However, I think the connection between him and Marquise Brown, a healthier developing Rashad Bateman, supposed to maybe even get Sammy Watkins back this week. And of course, you got Mark Andrews. I think Lamar Jackson will give you a nice, good performance here that you expect him to have. I think he bounces back. He's a QB2 for me. Yeah, I mean, I have, I'm all kind of all over to with Lamar right now this week because, as you pointed out, Dolphins are playing a bit better. The key to me is that they're being much more aggressive and getting back to their blitzing ways. And that seems to be something that the Ravens have definitely struggled with this entire season. The offensive line continues to be the question mark for this team, particularly in pass protection. Um, so I do have some concerns that Lamar is going to, you know, get knocked around. He's been one of the leading sack guys. He's faced most you know, a lot of pressure this year in general. Now he's coming against a team that's just kind of blitz happy right now. On the flip side, with all those plethora weapons available to him, I feel like you're going to have a lot of maybe, you know, second and longs where he can kind of get these guys involved and then get some of those easy yards. And the rushing ability is where I think that he has the solid floor. Dolphins really struggle against mobile quarterbacks. The linebackers aren't the fastest in the world. I think this is something you can definitely take advantage of this team. You can definitely run on this team in general. So I think Lamar has that floor with the rushing ability that gives you kind of that hope that he could probably finish as a top five quarterback this week. Speaking of rushing ability, we're still not expecting Latavius Murray. But I have Devonta Freeman, believe it or not, ranked at RB25. So very high-end RB3. Chris, you got to help me out here. I watch the film every week. Are my eyes deceiving me? Does Devonta Freeman look decent? Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked decent actually last year for the Giants where he didn't look like he was completely finished. He's not the Devonta Freeman of Atlanta days, of course, but he still has a little bit of juice. And I think what helps those eyes see what you're seeing is when you watch someone like Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray before that touching the ball, it was like slow motion out there. So when you see Freeman actually have like, you know, a decent burst. You're like, holy crap, look at this guy. So, yeah, I think that he's definitely a must play this week. And I think he's got opportunity versus this defense that really struggles versus the run in general. Well, the starting running back of the Ravens normally scores a touchdown almost every single week. So he has that going for him. You mentioned Le'Veon Bell, though. He's the one who wound up scoring a touchdown. He had four and a half yards of carry last week. I caught myself in the second half. I was like, wait, who's 17 on the Le'Veon Bell? Wait, Le'Veon Bell didn't look ungodly awful. Was it just that game that just like, oh, the Ravens just blocked their asses off, and now all of a sudden, you know, the running backs were able to actually get, you know, past the line of scrimmage, even in their old, decrepit age? Well, I think that's part of the Vikings have struggled versus the rush as well, but I think Lamar is a big part of that. They, he was running around like a crazy person last week, especially in that comeback situation. So a lot of those plays, they weren't really seeing guys keying on those running backs. And therefore, it isn't. It's not hard if you can run four yards and you know first my tackles. You, you can just kind of run straight. That's kind of what Le'Veon Bell is able to do. Yeah, obviously you're going to play Mark Andrews. He's my tight end three on the week, and obviously you're going to play Marquise Brown. He's my wide receiver eight on the week. He's a top ten wide receiver pretty much every single week until we we see something different. Even with Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins back in the mix, 
But speaking to that, I got Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 40. Chris, are you starting to look at Rashad Bateman as a flex play here with his usage going up and looking pretty good in his own right? This will be the big test for me for that this this, this week. With Sammy Watkins back in the lineups, it's not Duvernay. Now it's Sammy Watkins, who was averaging about seven targets a game early on in this season. I want to see where they kind of the you know the targets get distributed for this offense. I think that you're going to kind of see the you know, Marquise Brown should still be number one. Mark Andrews is always going to be kind of be that red zone guy in the safety blanket. I actually am a little bit excited for him because I think he might see less attention with these other guys out there as well. But Bateman's going to be interesting because it's going to be does he have enough volume in for him with Sammy out there? Or do they kind of vulture each other out there? Overall, I think they both all help Lamar, though. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why he's my QB, too. I, I think we can you can contemplate it this week about Bateman, depending on what your options are. But I'm with you. This week is going to kind of dictate, what do I do moving forward? Can I view Bateman as a guy that can plug and actually play into my lineup in given matchups? Uh, Dan asked a question here on social media. Freeman, Patterson, or Swift pick two? I, to me, it's pretty clear cut. I still have Patterson and Swift. I have Patterson at RB11. I got Swift at RB14. And we'll, we'll talk about the Detroit Lions game in a little bit later, but Swift might be in line for a big workload again. I know he had disappointing performance against the Eagles, but Swift is still the main part of that offense uh, moving forward. So don't overthink that one. Let's get to the betting lines of this game, Chris. And it's a big one. Obviously, anticipation of Jacoby Brissett being the starting quarterback. The Ravens are at minus seven and a half. The over-under set at 46 and a half. Now, favorites haven't been very, very kind lately, but I can't see the Ravens not covering seven and a half if it's a Jacoby Percet-led Dolphin team. Can can you? I want to say no because of the paper. Um, I'm a little gun-shy for the situations that have occurred, as you kind of mentioned, but I think the biggest thing that I'm concerned about is because the Dolphins' defense is playing a little bit better, and has particularly on you know their corners and Howard, they can keep it close. And the Ravens are one of those teams that don't mind playing an ugly game. So I have a little concern that it could be closer than it should be. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that, and that's why I'm going to ultimately say no contest. My my brain is telling me to bet this game. My heart is telling me. My gut is telling me not to. At least not at the line anyway. Uh, but yeah. I would say probably no contest for me heading into this matchup because I'm not going to bet the money line on the Ravens at minus 380. I'm not going to waste my time. So let's move on into our next matchup, getting into our first Sunday game of week 10. Week 10. We're here, man. It is week 10. We're in the thick of the playoff races. And that's why it's so vitally important while we're going through this to keep in mind here, for some of you, the playoffs started this week because you got to win every single game in order just to make it. For others, maybe you start the time to plan a little bit ahead. Maybe you make some trades that don't help you now, but help you later. We're all going to go through our expectations as we go along. Let's talk about the Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys. I want to kick this thing off with the Falcons side of things, because I want to kick this thing off with Matt Ryan. I think we can finally say, Matt Ryan, you know, let's give him, let's give Matt Ryan a round of applause real quick. Without Julio Jones, he finally doesn't look awful. <laughs> Without Calvin Ridley, he didn't look awful. It's amazing to me. He comes in at QB 15 for me this week, so he's a streaming option. Still don't necessarily want to plug and play him. He's not a must-start or anything like that. But the fact is, if he can do that without a Calvin Ridley, without Julio Jones, that means Cordell Patterson 
will continue his usage. That means better days are ahead for Kyle Pitts. Like I said, Patterson coming in RB11 for me this week. Kyle Pitts, my tight end six with some more upside. I think he'll bounce back from last week. Of course, Dallas is a great matchup to do that because they're terrible against all tight ends to begin with. But outside of that, Chris, are you interested in anybody else? No, I think the I think it was Zakikis is how you say his name. Now he had two touchdowns the last game. Don't Zikikis, buy into yeah. that. And um, I one, I just want to mention a little bit of caution with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan seems to be that quarterback, particularly this year, when he's not supposed to play that well or do much, he does. But when he <laughs> is supposed to, he doesn't. Uh, and he also seems to be like hot and cold really quickly. So I do have some concerns where this is a good pa- a good you know matchup on paper, especially after last week. I would have even put a dud out there. Well, again, that's why he's my QB 15, because that's like, that's like get crazy, because uh, he's just a streaming option for you, because it's a nice matchup here, expect a game script, but I'm with you, kind of like a lot of the quarterbacks, him more so than others, very can be very hit or miss. Uh, obviously, we still have not gotten any word on Calvin Ridley. He's on the IR. He'll be out for at least three games anyway. I think the idea is they'll check back in a month and see what's going on with him there. Let's go to the Dallas side of things where everything was terrible. The sky was falling from last week against Minnesota. I don't know what performance that was out of Dak. And everybody, here's what I will say before we get into the fantasy minutia of it all. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. People want to talk about like, oh, this was, you know, Dak had some rust. He had knocked some rust. He missed a week. You have that much rust after a week? I don't think so. Now, whether he was discomforted from the calf injury or Minnesota just, or excuse me, Denver just came out and played better defense than anybody was expecting, which I do think that one is part of it. I do expect to bounce back here against the porous Atlanta Falcons. He comes in at QB four for me. Zeke is RB nine. I'll talk about him in a second. And I'm playing both C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper with confidence. Wide receiver 13 for Lamb, wide receiver 17 for Amari Cooper. Lamb, in particular, should have had a better stat line because he got missed out on two bombs. Cooper missed out on a touchdown. It should have been his as well. But what I want to get into before we talk about Zeke is this. Michael Gallup's going to be back this week. He comes in at wide receiver 42 for me. Dalton Schultz now slides down to tight end 14. He is the victim of the target lossage with Michael Gallup coming back. It's not C.D. Lamb. It's not Amari Cooper. It's Dalton Schultz. I've been warning you guys for a while now. Schultz is the sell-high candidate at the tight end position because there's a lot of people out there who love him as a tight end more and perceive him to be more valuable than what he actually was anyway. This is your last week to sell him high if you still have the opportunity to do so. Just putting that warning out there right now. Chris, where are you at on all that? Yeah, so I agree with definitely that Zeke should be doing for a big week. I think you definitely start Cooper and Lamb. Don't be nervous about last week. They are the alphas in this passing game. 
This is Atlanta defense has struggled versus the pass for them most of the season. Um, and I think last week, basically what you saw was a team get physical and not coached. I think it was just that it was that simple. Um, it, some of it's on Dak just not being you know, not being efficient and not looking you know accurate, not throwing accurate balls. But I think a lot of it was this team just didn't come out to play. So I think this week they have a kind of a, you know bullseye on their, on their chest. It, it's great to play Atlanta team that kind of matches up poorly versus them, so especially offensively. And to your tight end point, um, so I think that I think there's a chance that you're right. But I think there's a greater chance that this he is the A.J. Green of tight ends, and he's going to get his five to six targets. It may or not be being um, a touchdown involved, but I think what you see right now is he is Dak's security blanket a lot of times in his offense, and because those receivers take so much attention, he's like one of those guys that just is going to be open at least four to five times a game. So I think the ceiling of, of Schultz might be you know kind of limited moving forward. But I think what you've gotten over the last few weeks, that four catches, five catches, for about 60 to 50, 60 yards, is pretty much what you're going to continue to see because while it's really good, I think that we've seen with this week in, week out being consistent has been pretty much Dalton Schultz and getting those four to five catches. The touchdowns has dropped. And I think that's going to be the big thing to kind of monitor. And to your point, if you could sell high on him, I absolutely would. But I don't think he's necessarily going to fall off the cliff now that Gallup's back. Yeah, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Dalton Schultz is going to suck and you can never play him again. I still I have him at tight end 14. I think he'll always be in the streaming area. My point is I see very seldom weeks where I'm actually going to have him confidently ranked inside the top 12, depending upon injuries or bye weeks coming up. That's more my point. And his perception right now is a top 10 tight end. So that's why if you can sell him, Based on that value, do so because I think it's going to be more times than not he'll be outside of that range with that target share maybe being three to four targets a game, not necessarily five plus like it had been up until this point. But that's why I'm telling you to sell high on him. Before we move off of that, because I want to talk about Zeke a little bit too. Michael Gallup, like I said, I have a wide receiver 42. What do you think about Michael Gallup rest of season? Is he somebody who can be a flex play? Will he turn into a wide receiver three? Do you like his value? Because he's available on some waiver wires out there. I think you make a speculative ad, but I have some curiosity when you're going to have the confidence to play this guy. It's hard enough to know who, if Cooper or Lamb are going to be getting the ball that week. It's really going to be really hard to add. Is the third receiver going to be featured? Yes, we've seen Cedric Wilson have some decent games. We saw Turner two touchdowns last week. But those games are really hard to kind of guess when they're going to happen. So I feel like you want to kind of wait and see, you know, are you going to be corrected where it's going to be Gallup and it's not going to be necessarily Schultz and the kind of the targets are solidified and consolidated to the receivers? Or is it going to kind of be whoever's open and gets the ball, which has kind of been how it mostly been this entire season? And that's going to be really hard to kind of guess week to week. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think he's going to be that boomer bust wide receiver three, low and wide receiver three guy, where I think if you pick him up, if you need a spot start him, you do it, and you just kind of roll with it. And that, and just understand that you're going to get some down games, but you're also going to hit on some games as well. That's kind of what he's going to be uh, just in general. But I think definitely a fantasy ad if he's out there, especially as a speculative ad. With Zeke, the thing I want to talk about, obviously, the knee issue. He was able to practice in a limited capacity today. He came back in that game. He finished that game. Even in garbage time, he was in that game. I'm not worried about Zeke on Sunday. That's what I want to stress to everybody out there because I've, I've seen a lot of trades this week that were involving Tony Pollard. And I'm like, Zeke, Zeke's not going to miss time, guys. So just I want to make sure we make that very, very clear to MD Nation. Right, Chris? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he was limited. Usually guys aren't going to play at all. They don't even bother on Wednesday, much less be limited. So I'm not worried about it. It's a deep, it's a deep uh, bruise. He has basically suffered a couple weeks ago. It's something that gets kind of irritated here and there. But Zeke's going to be out there and he's going to play. And as you pointed out, he was out there in garbage time. And just real quick on the Gallup point, another part why you have him speculative you add is because, you know, Lamb and Cooper aren't the healthiest guys all the time. So they are yeah. somebody who can be prone to prone injury. So Gallup's not a bad insurance for one of those guys as well. Yeah, both were practicing in limited capacity as well. Uh, Lamb with the ankle injury, uh, Cooper with the hamstring. No concerns about them being available on Sunday. And at least with Lamb, they came out and said that he's feeling much better this week and should be a little bit more ready to go. So far as betting this game, Chris, it's minus nine for Dallas favored at home over the Atlanta Falcons. The over-under is set at 55. I'm going to say it's a lock bet for Dallas at minus nine. Here's why. It's not just because they're the better team. It's because Atlanta had their big rival win last week, high fly emotional win, and Dallas was crap. And I think you're going to see a complete reversal this upcoming week. By the way, I like the overrunner at 55 as well while we're at it. But yeah, Dallas minus nine is going to be a lock of mine of the week. Yeah, I mean, logically, I definitely agree with that. I think Dallas should be the superior team. I think they should have a bounce back situation. There's a little bit of curiosity on my part, though, is that is Dallas going to play, try to press too hard? And I say that because I've watched this team get, when they play tight, they do kind of, you know, I've seen it over the last couple of years when they play tight, especially Dak. Um, they just kind of get in their own heads in a sense, and they kind of mess up things where they shouldn't. But if they just go out there and kind of, you know, they know they should win, but not also not get physically dominated like last week, they should be, be able to cover that, no problem. Let's get into the game. I was very excited when I was putting together the outline earlier for this matchup, particularly on the Saints side. We got the Saints and the Tennessee Titans this week in Tennessee. And I'm telling you right now, somebody needs to go to Washington, D.C. He's knocking the White House and say, hey, you guys got to take some notes from the Saints. Why? Because nobody keeps a secret like the Saints do. Does anybody have any idea who the starting quarterback is this week? Did anybody have any idea until they had to put out an injury report today what the hell was wrong with Alvin Kamara? No, nobody knew. Something big and explosive like that, nobody had any clue whatsoever. And from what I'm hearing, because I was, I'm was, i sitting here today, I'm like, uh, there are beat reporters that cover this team, right? And they're not even talking. Finally, one breaks silence today and says, oh, it's going to be probably late in the week before Sean Payton makes it known who his starting quarterback is going to be. I think some of that will probably have to do with Alvin Kamara. I think the fact that they lost against Atlanta last week, to me, should be Taysom Hill. Because at this point, what was the quarterback battle between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill all about if Taysom Hill can't overtake Trevor Simeon? Please explain that part to me. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So I do believe it'll be Taysom Hill. Obviously, that could change in a heartbeat. We'll keep you up to date on social media, at Show. Assuming he's a starting quarterback... He's my QB nine this week. He's a top 10 guy, just like he would have been last week. I think it's going to be him. Chris, where do you, who do you think it's going to be? I actually, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be Trevor Simeon. So I, I think that's who's going to, going to go with. I mean, I don't agree with him the move. And I don't understand, like, as you pointed out, what this offseason battle was all about, if this is going to be the situation. Um, but from everything there, you know, I've heard is that Sean Payton was pretty excited about what Trevor Simeon was able to do last week. Thinks he's going to be able to kind of you know be, make all the plays. And it's talked them up to all the reporters and that there's that people keep trying to, you know, 
push that Taysom Hill should be the starter, and he seems to be a little resistant to it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Trey Simeon because from what I understand, that seems to be what they're talking about behind closed doors. Liked what? Liked what from last week? The fact that they didn't completely lose the game and get blown out in the second half because that's all it was because he was terrible in the first half. You lost the Atlanta Falcons at home. You lost the Atlanta Falcons at home. Trevor Simeon wasn't good. At least with Taysom Hill, you know you have a formula, you have a game plan that worked last year, and you won all. I believe they won all the games you started last year. I know, so I don't get what the issue there is. Now, of course, the other Fort Knox secret that has big implications: Alvin Kamara didn't practice today with a knee issue. They spent all day yesterday bringing in running backs off the street to try to work out and see. So that indicates to me that they, they're expecting to need somebody active for this game. I don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to play. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one hell of a secret for them. I know he was out for practice today. It is a leg injury or knee injury as they listed it. Um, you are have some you know, concerns, definitely. Is he going to play? I think your quarterback situation might be a big part of that. So, this is my theory, and I don't know for sure, for sure, but what I'm thinking what could be happening and why Taysom Hill isn't going to be the starting quarterback is that if you think about taking Alvin Kamara off this offense, what do they have as their next best playmaker? Taysom Hill. And that might be what Sean Payton's actually thinking right now is that, yes, a quarterback he's more you know gives a little bit of a chance possibly, but I have no other chess piece to use with this offense if I don't have Alvin Kamara. So to me, I'm wondering if that's not part of the equation, and it could be why this you know there's so much cloak and dagger with the situation for both both player both players. I mean, I see what you're saying. It's very interesting. I would argue that if he is going to be your only playmaker, then he should have the ball in his hands 24 seven. That would mean playing him at the quarterback position, just playing your offense through that. But uh, yeah, kind of interesting to see again if Kamara plays. I mean, he's, he's my RB seven on the week. I don't care who the quarterback is. But this is going to be really close. We're going to watch this very, very closely because there's a lot of weird, mysterious things going on with this Alvin Kamara injury, and I don't have a very good feeling about it. Marquez Callaway is a wide receiver 37. He's just outside the wide receiver threes. I only mention that if you you have to play a Saints wide receiver, hopefully you don't. He's the one I'm leaning on. But, again, it's Alvin Kamara, and if Taysom Hill's a starting quarterback, I'll look Taysom Hill's way. Other than that, I don't really care about the Saints from a fantasy standpoint. Flip things over to Tennessee. A great job by them on Sunday night against the Rams. No doubt about it. They had a big win. They went into Los Angeles. The Rams were never in that game. I mean, the Tennessee Titans pretty much dominated that game, even though it wasn't great on paper. Offense was eh. It was okay. But we had a lot of interesting things come out of it that we can kind of take a little bit moving forward. Now, the Saints defense is healthy, and it's very good when it's healthy. So Ryan Tannehill, even though they have to lean on him the past game a bit more than they normally would, he's still like QB 17 this week. Chris, am I too low? I think you might be because think about what Matt Ryan just did to this defense last week. You can you can attack them in the passing game. I know that you know when you face Lattimore, it's always a scary proposition, but everybody else in that secondary is exploitable. I don't know. I watched Tampa Bay struggle. I, I think I think it's an every. That just other seems to be situation. just that team. <laughs> it, that could be. It, it very well could be, but it still cannot be taken completely out of account. I I think my point more with Ryan Taylor being my QB seventeen is not so much that he can't do okay against the Saints defense. I think there's just other options I'd rather have that are pretty juicy this week, and we'll get into them as we move through. 
Of course, A.J. Brown, you play him. He's my wide receiver 11, although keep in mind, he's more likely to see Marshawn Lattimore. The one thing I didn't like against the Rams last week, they didn't really try to move A.J. Brown around enough to try to get him away from Jalen Ramsey. They had Ramsey shadow him, and he went with him wherever on the field, and the Titans didn't move him around a ton. I wonder if the same thing winds up happening here with the Saints. I don't know. Hopefully, they move him to the slot a little bit more. I would think because Julio seems like he's actually healthy. In fact, he wasn't even on the injury report today for like the first time in forever, uh, that he would be able to get off them a little bit and they would move him around. I don't know, but I know this. He'll probably see Marshawn Lattimore more than 50% of the time in that game. So just temper your expectations a little bit, but he's still a low-end wide receiver, one on an offense that needs him to be. Uh, Chris, there's two questions that really comes to this offense. One, can you use Julio Jones? He's my wide receiver 34, so I'd have him in that wide receiver three argument if he is actually going to be healthy and all the attention is pointed to A.J. Brown. And the other question is about the running backs. So first, give me your analysis on on Julio Jones and where are you at on him? Yeah, so just real quick also on the A.J. Brown point. The one difference with Lattimore and, and Ramsey is Ramsey's blind up a lot in the slot. He can follow him into the slot. Lattimore is not following A.J. Brown into the slot, so that could be a difference in the sense that he could you know get away from him a little bit more. But he will see a, a fair share, of, obviously, of him. And so will Julio Jones at some point, but I think Julio Jones is a play. Julio Jones actually is one of those receivers who has not done poorly versus Lattimore historically. He might have flashbacks of his Atlanta days. Um, and I think if you're going to play, if you're going to have Julio Jones on your team right now, this is the week that you're going to play him, in my opinion, or why have Can't totally disagree. And that's why he's a wide receiver 34 for me. The other question, of course, being about the running backs. So we saw a little bit of mixture of everything. And I'm going to go off on something I've been hearing all week that's driving me up a wall, which is the Dante Foreman love. Well, Dante Foreman looked good. He had five carries, 29 yards, and I don't know. Dante Foreman's younger, blah, 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 blah. Oh, guys, this, I, I don't know if everybody, you know, there's a lot of fancy analysts, and there's a lot of smart guys out there, smarter than me. There's no doubt about it. But I really question sometimes, do people actually watch the games or watch film afterwards or they miss some stuff? Dante Foreman got most of his work in one drive in the second half. That's when Dante Foreman was the thing. That was it. That was all. He was barely on the field other than that. It was clear to me he came out there to give, you know, AP, McNichols, a little bit of a breather. But this philosophy backfield moving forward is going to be a two-man committee, not a three-man committee, a two-man committee between AP and Jerry McNichols. By the way, I want to add this. AP just came in off the street at 36 years old and had 10 carries right off the bat. You don't think that number is going to increase as he gets his legs back under him, which, by the way, physically speaking, he looks like a freak like he always does. And as he gets his legs back under him, he'll run a little bit lower. He'll be a little bit more explosive. Jerry McNichols isn't good, in my opinion. I'm not impressed by him when he runs the football. There's nothing special about him that he does. Will he be the main pass catching back? Sure. Will that make him probably an RB3 most weeks in half point, full point PPR? Yeah. But AP is going to be the leader of this backfield. I don't want to hear anything more about Dante. We know what Dante Foreman is. He's had his time to shine. He gets injured anytime he gets a workload more than 10 in any consecutive weeks. That's not who they're going with. And he wasn't out there that much in this game. Chris, where are you at on this whole situation? All right. Well, first of all, let me establish you don't want to play any of these running backs versus the Saints this week. No, it's a terrible yeah. matchup for all three. Um, having Absolutely. said that, I, I definitely in your corner. I think Adrian Peterson is definitely the guy who's going to be the primary back in this backfield in the sense that he will be out there in the first and second down situations most of the time. 
Then you'll see a little bit of mix performing into the game. I think McNichols will continue to be the third down running back. I don't think McNichols is, is anything special as well. And Foreman, this is this is the case where people not only don't watch the games, they lock on to the yards per carry versus understanding what happened in those games in a, in a sense. I watched this last year in the beginning of the year when I heard how unexplosive David Montgomery is and how he's so slow and he's such he's so terrible because he has no explosiveness and can't make anything, you know, because he averaged a poor amount of yards, you know, per carry. And then the second half of the season, he explodes, and then suddenly, oh, he's just an explosive guy. It's, it's going to be the same thing with Peterson. When you have 10 carries and guys are expecting you to do, you know, kind of running into a wall in a sense versus a series of maybe a, a quick little draw here, a little slant here, your yards per carry are going to be different. Foreman didn't look explosive in his carries. He didn't look like he was bowling anybody over. There was nothing that impressed me with his carries. He basically got what was blocked for him. And it was tended to be a team was preparing more for a passing situation. Got caught off guard a little bit. What if AP was out there, he's basically running as hard as he could into a front, you know, to a, a line. So I think overall, I take out who has the, you know, kind of fits this backfield the best. I think Peterson kind of showed you he's got the closest to Derrick Henry in the sense that you're going to get. He's not going to have the big runs that Derrick Henry had, but he will bring that physicality to the running game that Foreman just doesn't do with that big body he has. He, despite the big body, I should say. Yeah. So we're on the same page. Look, AP and Jerry McNichols, 32 and 34 on my running back. So they're low-end RB3s. McNichols, because of the way the game script might go, maybe he gets five-plus targets in this game to give him a little bit of a floor. And AP, of course, always has the possibility to fall into the end zone. But you don't really want to play these guys if you can at all help it. Chris, betting on this game is very interesting to me. It's minus three in favor of Tennessee, which at home is essentially a pick The over-under set at 44 and a half. I'm taking, if Kamara's not going to play, and I feel like he's not going to play, because I feel very weirded out by this situation, this line will change when we find out that news one way or another. If you want to take the bet, take the leap now, and get Tennessee minus three before the Kamara news actually comes out, even if Kamara plays, I think it's still a good bet, but I would bet on it now, today, and take a chance on that. Yeah, I'm, you're braver than me. I'm not touching this game with a 10-foot pole. Um, <laughs> one thing I've learned over all the years with Sean Payton is whenever the Saints are doubted, regardless of their talent level they're throwing out there, they come out guns blazed and they pull some crap out their butt. So this is a game where they support. If Kamara doesn't play, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, some way, they're able to do something. But now I think that the, you look at the teams in general, talent levels, they're very similar in a lot of ways. So there's nothing that separates me you know, distinctly in my eyes where I say oh, this is definitely should be this team or this team. But even with the Camara out, I, I watched Sean Payton just when the back against the wall somehow. Like I said, the Taysom Hill thing stands out to me because I think he's going to have him like returning kicks, you know, doing reverses, playing tight end. And I could just see someone pulling something out of his ass like that. So, yeah, I, I think this is a situation I'm, I'm staying away from this game. I, I will say this the, 40, the over under set at 44 and a half. If I'm going to bet one way or another, I'm betting the under. I do think it's going to be a very defensive battle, especially with Tennessee's Agreed. defense playing the way that it is as well. Let's move into our next matchup with the Indianapolis Colts, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll start on the Jaguars side because it'll be short, simple, and sweet. Uh, <laughs> Robinson, all this hoopla from Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer reminds me so much right now of Pete Carroll, <laughs> where I don't care what you say when it comes to injuries because you're full of it. You're full of it. Every single day, James Robinson's progressing great. 
James Robinson's going to play this week. What happened last week? Oh, he never practiced and he got ruled out the heel injury. Oh, James Robinson's going to practice on Wednesday. Didn't practice today. Now, I don't know. That means he's definitely not going to play this week. It's still just a Wednesday report on practice, but it's definitely not trending in the right direction. So if you have Carlos Hyde, hold fast, because I still think there's a chance James Robinson misses this week as well. If Robinson does play, because I, like an idiot, you know, I do my rankings from Tuesday night in the Wednesday morning, decided that I would give Urban Meyer the benefit of the doubt and rank James Robinson if he's going to play. I ranked him at RB16. Obviously, you play him if he's out there. But Carlos High would still be a high in RB3, low in RB2. He'd still be a plug-and-play for me if you need a spot start or if you need a flex play this week, even against the Indianapolis Colts. Why? Chris, I think you'll agree with me on this. They handcuff running backs, getting all the volume, despite the matchups, still somehow find a way to be useful. I know it was rough last week, but that was the Buffalo Bills. This Colts defense is good. They're not Buffalo Bills good. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, this is basically what you get to see when there's actually a workhorse back, quote-unquote, be utilized in a workhorse role. No matter what defense you play, if you give a guy 20 carries, he's more than likely going to be pretty successful and have pretty you know, good fantasy numbers. I think that there's a good point that Harp Hyde is out there in the starter. You definitely can start him. I do think Robinson's going to play. I was one of those guys who I'm like in between where I have him in one league and held on and dropped him in the other league. But I do think that Robinson's going to play. I'm not so worried about today. It'll be tomorrow. I need to hear that he's limited at least tomorrow. If he's not limited tomorrow, then I start feeling like he's not going to play. Um, I think Wednesday is like one of those games where there are situations where some some teams just kind of use it as a walkthrough. And if you didn't practice on Wednesday, it doesn't really mean a whole lot because a lot of the veterans aren't either. But I think Thursday, if you have to ramp up a little bit, you got to see this guy kind of use it. It's a bruised heel. It's not a severe injury. So there's more of a pain threshold than anything. So I think this might be why they're being more cautious with the walkthroughs and stuff like that. But I do want to see him before that. If he's a let's wait and see thing, it gets past Thursday night, then I don't think he's going to play. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Urban Myers is full of crap. That's all I want to say. Marvin Jones, wide receiver 27. I know it's been rough. I know it's been brutal. I know he hasn't performed the way he should. 
it's had more to do with Trevor Lawrence and him. I've been watching the film, and Mar- Marvin Jones is getting open down the field, and Trevor Lawrence is just flat out not hitting him, even in that Buffalo game. But if you don't play him against the Colts, I don't know when you do. He comes in at my wide receiver 27 this week. The only thing that keeps me hesitant about saying, you know, you need to play Marvin Jones as a flex play would be I could also see this being an interesting Jamal Agnew game. Now, not that I don't think there won't be a good amount of volume for both, because I do think this is a game in which Trevor Lawrence has to throw the ball 40 times. So I do think both of them will have the volume to them. I think the question is, Trevor Lawrence on that ankle, does he allow Marvin Jones to get down the field, or is he just getting his ball out of his hands as quickly as he possibly can to a Jamal Agnew and to a Dan Arnold, who I do have as a must-play tight end this week at tight end nine. So I have him as a top 10 tight end option. So where are you out in the pass catchers of it all for Jacksonville? Yeah, so the last two guys you cut on are more where I'd aim you for. I think Arnold's a play, and I also think Agnew is a guy that, you know, all year long we've seen the quick guys give this Indianapolis Colts defense fits, particularly in the slot, which is kind of odd because they were really good last year versus slot receivers. Uh, Marvin Jones has some concerns with me. He is getting open. There just seems to be this connect of how involved he's. They seem so much predicated, especially Trevor Lawrence, of, of keeping everything short and everything easy for him in a sense that Marvin Jones just kind of gets forgotten about too too much. Which, in this by the way, is so things. annoying not to cut you off, but Trevor Lawrence has a great deep ball. That's one of the things that made him a franchise can't-miss quarterback because he can hit the deep pass. He can hit every throw on the field. Stop being so conservative. You're a crappy team. Let him go out there and make the mistakes, but let him go out there with a flair. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think one thing to keep in mind, though, is for this week is Trevor Lawrence's ankle is pretty severely beat up. Um, so he's a guy that you maybe you have some questions. Is he going to make it through the entire game, which might not hurt this offense, some, some, you know, like, like a Marvin Jones, and if he was to get knocked out, because I'm with you. I think right now they basically neutered this guy, and he's just looking for everything quick, easy, and they're making everything too jet sweep oriented. It looks like the Ohio State offense that bored you to death with Braxton Miller um, so and, and, and R.J. Barrett. So, I mean, this isn't either one of those guys at quarterback, which is sad. They're using this Trevor Lawrence. But right now, as a result, I'm kind of staying away from Marvin Jones. All right, so let's move to the Colts, which, of course, you know, I guess Jacksonville Jaguars, all ceilings have been raised. Carson Wentz, QB 12 this week. He's been consistently a good streaming quarterback for the last pretty much almost month now. I don't think that changes here. The, of course, there's a narrative out there, and it's it's a valid one. What happens if Jonathan Taylor just takes away this game and runs all over it? Well, I look at the Jets, and the Jets put up a decent amount of points in the second half, sure, but Carson Wentz only threw the ball 20 times and still had a top-12 finish last week. I don't see that be any different this week in a week in which it looks like he's going to get a T.Y. Hilton coming back, so maybe the deep ball even gets re-invoked into this offense a little bit. They take a few shots here. My point is more this. I'm playing all Colts players. Carson Wentz, obviously Jonathan Taylor is my number two running back on the week. Michael Pittman comes in at my wide receiver six this week. So he's a mid-level wide receiver one for me. The real question becomes, do you want to play a T.Y. Hilton, who I have right now as a boomer bust wide receiver 44, so a boomer bust wide receiver four. He hasn't been able to stay healthy yet, but against the Jaguars, it's oh so juicy in a matchup which he's expected to return and outside of Michael Pittman is not like anybody else really catches the ball with any consistency. Yeah. So I'm definitely high on Pittman this week. The Carson Wentz thing, I think comes down to one simple thing. It's not so much Carson Wentz. It's Frank Reich versus Jacksonville team. They aren't bad versus the run, 
but they are terrible versus the pass. So if you come out aggressive and don't just try to make this a, a, a glorified rugby game, then there's no reason Carson Wentz shouldn't be very productive out there. As for the other receivers, T.Y. Hilton, I love the matchup, and I think this should be something you want to run him out there, but because he hasn't lasted a game yet for the whole game being healthy, I wouldn't want to play him that first game back. That's just my two cents, particularly DFS-wise, all about it. But in your standard redraft leagues, um, now I would try to avoid that because especially top of the playoff time, you don't want to be banging your head against the wall because T.Y. Hilton is out of, you know, after a quarter, first quarter. No, I don't disagree with you. It, there's definitely guys with better floors out there, but if you're if you're looking at your opponent and you feel like you got to hit a home run, I do think Hilton can be an option in that scenario. That's why he comes in at wide receiver 44. I just wanted to make a note of that. And if he does ever get through a game healthy, we can maybe get to see exactly what this offense looks like with him and what that means possibly, not maybe, maybe not so much for, for T.Y. Hilton, but what it means for Michael Pittman moving forward. I think that'll be an interesting conversation. And uh, just, you know, a side note, a fan thing here. Uh, can we just free Mo Alley Cox already? Just just let him be the guy. Just let him be the guy. That'd be awesome, especially in this game against Jacksonville. Think how he could dominate. They would just let him be the guy, Chris. So annoying. Yeah, that seems to be Frank Rice. I'm all, let's let some guys be the guys. He just refuses to do that. And he was doing it early in the season with Mo Alley Cox, and he's got back to his, his bad ways again. I don't know if he just likes to throw himself curveballs every once in a while between the backfield and the tight end position, but it, yeah. I don't know. So the Colts were a lock bet for me last week at pretty much the same line, minus 10 and a half. They came through. It was a little weird at the end, but they did come through. They still covered. I'm going to say they're a lock bet again for me this week at minus 10 and a half in Indianapolis against a porous Jacksonville team. I don't see how you don't take that bet. The overrunner set at 47 and a half. I'm going to stay away from that because there's a little too many different ways that they could go. But I am definitely, definitely going to go with the Colts. Minus 10 and a half is a lock bet of the week. Yeah, you know, I usually like to avoid the double digit guys, but this one, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not believing what I saw versus Buffalo is real. And the Colts have every should be about to blow this team out in general. Yeah, um, that was their Super Bowl last week. <laughs> make make no mistake about it. That was the Jacksonville Super that was, Bowl. That happen. was the Buffalo re- reacting with Can- what's going on in Kansas City last week, is what I, I saw. No, well, as Buffalo is playing the stupid offense. <laughs> definitely a conversation for coming up. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots. All right, so we got to get into it with the Browns. Unfortunately, Nick Chubb, COVID. Apparently, the entire running back room went to a Halloween party except for Dearness Johnson. That's that's pretty Smart much what guy. it took away from this. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, Dearness Johnson found himself as the only active currently. Cleveland Browns running back available. They were, you know, working guys out like Brian Hill to try to put him on the practice squad. They're just like, oh, we need people who are active right now. So, look, Chubb is vaccinated. So is Demetric Felton, for whatever that's worth. We don't really care about him fantasy-wise. So there is a possibility, especially because they caught this so early on in the week. I believe it was Tuesday. He could potentially make it back because, again, he just needs that two negative tests within 24 hours of the game. He can come back. It's possible. It's still in these situations. I have found it to be more unlikely, less than 50% than more than 50%. If Chubb were to play, obviously he's an RB1. But if Dearness Johnson's out there, how high is he for you, Chris? Because right now I have him in that 10 to 14 area if it winds up being the guy. Yeah, I mean, if he's the guy, we talked about, you know, consolidating carries. 
to me, he's he's arguably a top five, definitely top ten running back this week. I think you're going to see the Cleveland is built around the running game. He looked fantastic when he had his opportunity last time. If they throw the ball to him without Felton there as well, it won't kind of steal his third down opportunities either. I love him versus the Patriots. I am not afraid of the Patriot run defense. I'm with you. And that that's the key point. And that's where I'm trying to figure out exactly where do I put him. Do I put him inside the top 10? Because I would anticipate that not only does he get the carries, which we know are going to come, but he would also get the receptions in this matchup where Baker Mayfield is picking up, you know, another injury left and right. And he's going to be dumbing the ball down even more and more and more. So, yeah, I kind of wonder if Dearness Johnson is not a top 10 running back this week, like Nick Chubb would have been if he is just the guy. So something to watch there. Obviously, if it's Chubb, you play him high confidence. If it's Dearness Johnson, you play him with high confidence. I think the thing is that we're going to get into is Jarvis Landry. So historically speaking, when OBJ wasn't around and Landry's just the guy, he can usually be a pretty productive higher-end wide receiver three, maybe even a low-end wide receiver two in, in some instances. Now, he's not 100% healthy right now, which is the big factor here. He didn't practice today with the knee issue, but he's expected to play on Sunday. I get him at wide receiver 33. You are running into the Patriots. They do a great job of taking away that number one guy, but the ball's got to go somewhere. I don't like Don Peoples-Jones in this matchup this week. I don't think he can really be that big play guy they're leaning on in this in this particular case. So I do think Jarvis Landry can be a floor-based, low-end wide receiver three, and I don't really care about the rest of the pass catchers. So for me, I tend to – I think Jarvis Landry is not even close to 100%. I think he's not even close to like 75% healthy right now. Exactly. I have legitimate concerns about he has pretty much just a guy hopping out there. If I'm not in a full-point PPR league, I'm not playing Jarvis Landry this week. I'm not trying to touch any pass catchers. I think you're going to continue to see what you've seen out of Baker Mayfield when OBJ is not there. That's every guy kind of being involved. This is a game where I can see the tight ends having a couple catches here or there, the receivers having a couple catches, the running backs having a couple catches. Nobody is that kind of worth fantasy playing guy, or you can't guess it necessarily because between you know Ninjuku, Hooper, and uh, Brian are all getting catches. I'm not touching any of the pass catchers versus the Patriots. I love Johnson. I don't love anybody else for Cleveland's offense. Can't disagree with that. Let's move to the living inside of the ball, and this can be really short and simple, too, because I'm only interested in whoever the running back happens to be. Because remember, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both in concussion protocol. As of right now, I have it ranked to be Damian Harris. You know, if he's able to come back, he'd be my RB22. You don't necessarily love the matchup, but the Cleveland front line is very banged up at the moment, so it's not clear if everybody's definitely going to play or not. He'll get the volume. This offense is built around the running game, kind of similar to how Cleveland is. However, outside of that, I don't like anything else, and we don't know who it's going to be. So let's let's talk about that more. If it's if it's let's say Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both out, do you play, play Brandon Bolden as an RP three? I do, uh, because you know he's going to be involved in the passing game. You've already seen that entire season. He's been kind of their poor James White, and I think that for me, if Let's say Harris is the misses game. Stevenson has a higher ceiling for me because you involve him in both aspects. Bolden has a higher aspect, has a higher ceiling as well because you're going to see him get the ball and rushing and be able to receive the ball. This team is kind of built around the running back position, no matter who's kind of out there. So I think if it's consolidated to one guy, I'm not afraid of JJ Taylor stealing his touches. I think Bolden would be the guy. I'd be rather out there confidence in my lineup. Okay, and I think that's I agree with you, and I think that's the main question. It's like okay, if Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both out. 
do you play Brandon Bolden? Because I think we know the answer to the other questions. If Harris is healthy, you play Harris. If it's Harris out and Stevens is available, I think you play Stevenson. So I think it's kind of that really that simple when it comes down to it. And I don't care about the pass catchers. Jacoby Myers is finally out of my consideration as far as top three guys because he doesn't get the volume anymore. The tight end situation is a mess. And that's probably why they're interested in OBJ because they don't really have any other playmakers. Chris, betting this game, the Cleveland Browns are plus one and a half on the road against New England. The over-under is set at 45. I'm not going to call it a lock for Cleveland at plus one and a half. That is where I will bet, just FYI. But my lock bet in this game is give me the under on 45 and a half. I don't expect any points in this matchup whatsoever. What do you think? Yeah, I can't argue with going the under. That's also why I'm not betting this game, because I think as a result, it's going to be a very close game. It could go either way. Um, but I definitely think the under is something, if you want to bet on this game, not a bad place to start. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got a few more games to preview for you guys. And then we have the mailbag segments. So very exciting stuff on the other side of this. We'll see you again soon. Stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back into the program, MD Nation. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. And of course, on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that when you get the chance. Follow us along after the show on your favorite pod streaming app so you never miss an episode and can listen to us wherever you are. We're available on iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever. We'll be back tomorrow from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And don't forget, we won't be back again until Friday morning to recap the Thursday night game and, of course, the late window matchup previews for that as well. And, oh, I can't forget, Friday night, MD's DFS contest. Chris will be back on the show. Chaz will already be back on the show. We'll also go through our lock bets of the weekend. So a lot of content coming to you guys, as we always do every single week on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Chris, you mentioned the Buffalo Bills earlier in the show, uh, kind of taking a page out of the Kansas City Chiefs. And that wasn't just that wasn't just last week. That's pretty much been all season long, where they haven't been as consistent as they were a season ago, as, as you would expect them to be. Now, of course, they're not in as bad of a situation as the Chiefs are right now with that. But that it, it pertains to Josh Allen 
disappointing at times following that trend of the quarterbacks not always finishing where they're supposed to and expected to, usually not as volatile of a position as it has been this season. And, of course, on the flip side, Stephon Diggs. So I do have Josh Allen as my QB1, and you're going to play him if you have him regardless anyway. I do think they get right here against the Jets team. At least I would hope they would. My more thing is this. I got Stephon Diggs right now as my wide receiver four. I'm probably going to bring him down a few spots. But I think this game, like some others for some other players for me, is kind of a make or break week on am I going to keep ranking you at all as a mid-level wide receiver one, or are you going to become a high-end wide receiver two for me? Yeah, so to the Josh Allen points first, um, I think the one thing that we had seen different that hasn't been since that you know they came back from their break basically is regardless that he kind of struggled here that offense the offense was still productive and still scoring at will. I mean, you're able to drop play beats with 30 or 40 points. They were covering the double digit um, point spread, so there was something you were kind of confident with, even though he wasn't quite as good as he was last year. I mean, Stefan Diggs definitely hasn't been as good. As for where Diggs stands, as he pointed out, this game comes down to two fundamental things for me. Is their coach going to actually call a smart game for once and allow these guys to kind of be who they're supposed to be? Um, I think a big part of Stefan Diggs is early in the season, I questioned how healthy he was, and I was wondering why he's running all these short routes. But what I've kind of found out is that Brian Gable is kind of bringing back his uh, New England Patriot playbook and basically thinks he has Tom Brady at the quarterback position right now. And he's just going to sit there and think and dunk you to death. And the problem with that is Josh Allen – is not that accurate that close to the line of scrimmage consistently. The only person who's actually excelling in this stupid offense is Cole Beasley. And as a result of him kind of building the offense he has in place right now, teams are playing some of the deep things to take away. So Emmanuel Sanders has basically been forgotten about in his offense the last couple of weeks as a result. You have to run the ball, number one, when teams play cover three shell against you or deep safeties. Let's just get this out of the way because I'm so tired of the stupid coaching shit that's going on right now. Because I'm watching all these, I'm watching all these different teams sit there and have no clue how to attack the defense. The Chiefs' problem isn't that they don't have never cover three. Isn't something brand new, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a new defense. Defensive coordinators and just learn it yesterday. It's been something that's been around for years and years and years. You don't let guys beat you over the top. Great, but what do you do instead? If you remember when the Kansas City Chiefs played the Eagles a few weeks ago, uh, Pat Mahomes had five touchdown passes, I believe. I think he completed almost ninety percent of his passes. So did Derek Carr. So had uh, Justin Herbert last week. Why? Because you go into the playbook and you understand you can attack certain easy areas, get easy completions, and you go there. What you don't do is scheme guys basically to play right into the hands of the defense. You don't just send guys deep all the time, and you don't just run a bunch of freaking four-yard curls. And that's all the teams seem to be doing between the, in between. If you have Buffalo and you have Josh Allen, throw a 14, 15-yard crossing pattern. Throw a deep post. Throw a slant. Throw something that most defenses can't take away because you have a guy who can actually get those. And, oh, hell of a receiver is Stephon Diggs who can get open 15 to 16 yards down the field and get his dominate. Stop the back shoulder throw fades. Stop the little four-yard passes to him. Give him the ball down the field, 15 to 14, 15 yards. Look at Tampa Bay's offense. Run that for a play against the stupid cover two, cover three offense defenses and watch what your quarterback and your receivers can do. Sorry. But, yes, I absolutely think that – as Stefan Diggs' turn. Yeah, 1,000% uh, in agreement with you on all of that. 
it has been frustrating to watch and it's been frustrating from a fantasy standpoint because these guys are underachieving as a result. But we're halfway through the season now. We're not going to expect this to turn around all of a sudden and barring some sort of miracle here. So that's, just, that's when we have to kind of reevaluate our val- evaluate these guys moving forward. You're still going to play Stephon Diggs. You're still going to play Josh Allen. The problem is you might not always get the expected value that you should be getting. Again, when it comes to the Jets, though, in this matchup, I do think you'll be fine. I think you'll play as a top-end guys. But when it comes to Stephon Diggs in particular, if he can't ro- if he can't provide you with a top-five performance in this week, I don't know if I'm going to rank him in the top-five again this season. Emmanuel Sanders is my wide receiver 31. I know he's been incredibly disappointing over the past few weeks as well. But against the Jets, he is definitely still a play. He's running the amount of snaps you want him to run. He's running the routes you want him to run. And the targets should still be there. The guy who falls further down my list this week is Cole Beasley. Now, he's still at wide receiver 36, so he's still a guy you can keep in mind. He didn't practice today, but it's with the rib issue. He played last week. We He didn't have any setbacks. We expect him to play again this week. But why he comes down my list a little bit against the Jets is because Dawson Knox is expected to be back. And we saw when Dawson Knox this year, Josh Allen's been loving him some Dawson Knox, especially in the red zone, but more so running in that middle part of the field. When Knox was performing well, Cole Beasley was an afterthought. In fact, Cole Beasley was on a lot of waiver wires during that time period as a result of Dawson Knox coming back. And I have him right away out the gate as my tight end eight. And the reason why I'm so confident in Knox in his first game back, and I'm not worried about his usage, is because it was a hand issue. It wasn't a soft tissue issue. He wasn't. It wasn't like he wasn't not able to condition himself or stay in shape. I don't think his usage is going to be down really much at all heading into this matchup. And I love it, of course, against the Jets. So Dawson Knox all up there. What do you think about the pass catchers in general? Yeah, I think Knox is a good play. Um, this is a guy who's not going to see, you know, Darren Waller targets, Charles Kelly's targets, but he hasn't had to this season. He's a guy that's always going to be involved in the red zone. He's the guy that they kind of look for big plays out of here and there in the passing game. They actually let him run down the field sometimes, unlike the other guys. Um, but I think overall, I do. I think Stephon Diggs has a big game this week. I think this is the final. To your point, I think this is the game that he has to kind of step up or be forgotten about as a you know elite receiver. And I think that hopefully their coaching staff you know allows him to do so. I do like Emmanuel Sanders. I'm with you with the Cole Beasley thing. He's kind of a glorified passing running game. I think if you're a full point PPR, maybe you can still roll him out in your lineups. But in you know half point PPR, I'm not going to have Cole Beasley in my lineup. I can avoid doing so. Zach Moss is going through the concussion protocol. If he plays, I do have him as an RB 24. You always love running backs against the Jets, and I have Devin Singletary as an RB 29. If he does not play, and Devin Singletary is the guy, he'll probably be a mid level RB two for me, and I'll be very confident in playing Devin Singletary in this matchup. Yeah, I hundred percent agree that Singletary does. I mean, Moss doesn't play. Singletary is probably definitely. A flex option, if not a, you know, RB2 for your offense. I still kind of worry about him use, being utilized in the red zone. I think it's Dallas Knox will still be kind of that guy they look for. But overall, their team needs to run the ball in general with either one of these guys. Zach Moss has been terribly disappointing, especially in games where he's supposed to do well. So I think this matchup looks great on paper, so did last week's, and he just refused to run the ball. So I, I kind of have the curiosity with, you know, if the two guys are out there, I don't like that. But if there's only one guy, then I definitely will play the one guy. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. There's always that risk with the Buffalo Bills and of course them eating into each other. But if you can't play them against if you can't if you can't play them against the Jets, you're not gonna I don't know who you're gonna be able to be confident playing them against at all. Uh on the Jets side, the great the late Mike White is going to be the starting quarterback again this week. Ugh, this is uh, the memes are out of control, first and foremost, on this Mike White guy. But look, he's gonna be a starting quarterback, and that does help. Michael Carter, because he'll get the dump downs. Ty Johnson, maybe if you're in full point PPR leagues. I'm not touching a Jets wide receiver in this game. Even with Corey Davis on his way back, there's no way. You couldn't pay me enough to touch a Jets wide receiver against the Buffalo Bills this week. But Michael Carter, who would have been a sit for me this week otherwise, but because he got Mike White in there, because he'll have the floor now, the targets, he actually does come in an RB23 for me this week. Uh, and I'm not really touching anybody else fantasy-wise, if I can at all help it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting take. I mean, Buffalo is number one versus the running back position this year. It is a tough matchup on paper, but you're right. Mike White is a checkdown machine, so he does give him a good floor. Um, otherwise, I know Elijah Moore has had two good games in a row, and I've been really appreciative of that, but I also realized that Corey Davis didn't play in those last two games either, right. and I wouldn't necessarily bank on Elijah Moore showing up. The one guy, if you're going to play any receiver in my book this week, would be Crowder because I think there's a safe floor for him to be involved in this offense because I think they're going to have to take some catch-up. Um, I think Corey Davis is going to, if he does play, is going to see a lot of the top corner and Travis White. And I think you're on the other side, Elijah Moore's role isn't really defined without Corey, with Corey Davis in that lineup. So I do have concerns about those two guys, um, but I don't think Crowder is a guy that, you know, you don't expect a huge ceiling from this guy, but I think he has a nice floor. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Elijah Moore point because I've been seeing a lot of love about him going around and people are like, oh, man, I missed the boat on him. I got to pick on uh, Context, you will. Context. Corey Davis wasn't out there the last two weeks, okay? And he plays a huge difference, like you said, in their roles. When Elijah Moore is that second receiver, when he's not the X receiver, remember, this is the Shanahan system. The X receiver gets featured. Nobody else does. So keep that in mind, and that will be Corey Davis when he comes back. As far as betting this game, Chris, Buffalo Bills minus 12 and a half on the road against the New York Jets. The over under set at 47 and a half. Anything there fitting your fancy? I, I, I'm second game. I'd probably go the over in this game and take the double digit uh, Buffalo. Um, I think that Buffalo should be bouncing back. It should have for the most part until last week's debacle had been blowing the teams that they're supposed to. So I think Buffalo should beat the Jets by over 12 points, 12 and a half, as you said. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Obviously, last week was abysmal, but the week before that, remember, they covered against the Dolphins. They covered the week before that, even when there were double-digit point spreads against Houston. 
I'm going to say they cover this week against the Jets at minus 12 and a half. I don't think Mike, Mike White's about to run to a buzzsaw. I think against this Buffalo Bills defense, and that's going to be the real difference here uh, for, for me. It's not the, again, it's not the Indianapolis Colts. You can't throw on them, nor can you run on them. I think that's gets overlooked quite a bit. Let's talk about Detroit Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers always find themselves in these really exciting games, don't they? Uh, <laughs> the Lions themselves, look, Jamal Williams coming out of the bye week didn't practice this week. So that's really not a good indication about what his availability is going to be on Sunday. Now, DeAndre Swift had all the work against the Philadelphia Eagles. It didn't go very well. Obviously, you don't love the match against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The reason why it didn't go well from a fantasy standpoint against the Eagles is because for some reason, DeAndre Swift getting all the work meant less passing work, which doesn't make any sense. Hopefully, the Lions would you know realize if you're going to want to move the ball against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're going to have to check the ball down to DeAndre Swift probably seven to ten times in this game. Look, Swift still is a guy who, for me, is a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 most weeks. This particular week, he comes in at RB14, so more of a high-end RB2. But as long as he has that passing volume, it doesn't matter what the matchup is. And you have to like that he'll probably have some extra volume if Jamal Williams is still, in fact, not going to be ready to go. Yeah. This Pittsburgh defense is good versus the run. It's not your historically Pittsburgh defense good against the run, though where you're worried about guys doing nothing. David Montgomery coming back from injury looked pretty decent versus defense. And I also want to point out that the Bears were able to move the ball. A team that's struggled to score most of the season has you know was able to move up and down the field versus team. So I think, well, the Pittsburgh has some playmakers like Watt, some different guys secondary. Their defense isn't what it traditionally is, and therefore Detroit actually can move the ball, particularly DeAndre Swift. And then, of course, you got to play TJ Hawkinson because of the volume that he sees, the number one pass catcher for the Detroit Lions. He comes in at tight end seven for me. I'm not touching anything else concerning Detroit. So we can move on to Pittsburgh. So we finally got some, literally, maybe hours before the show, we got some clarity on Chase Claypool because we were waiting forever for this MRI to come back. And I love the way the news alert came across. It was good news for Chase Claypool. It's not season ending. I was like, uh... Who was expecting it to be season ending? Who said it was going to be season ending? How is that the good news? It's not season ending. Like that was supposed to, like we were worried about that to begin with. Like, I didn't even know it was that serious in the first place. So he's week to week. I highly doubt he plays this week, learning upon how serious apparently they're expecting this toe injury to be. Of course, he didn't practice today. So I'm not expecting Chase Claypool this week against the Detroit Lions. We have to kick it off with that. That means a little more volume for Deontay Johnson who you do love uh, last week, I think was like his worst game of the year. He was still a wide receiver too. He's wide receiver 14 for me. He may actually come up a few spots when I adjust the uh, algorithm for compensating for chase Claypool targets to not really necessarily be there. And then James Washington, if Claypool's not going to be there against Detroit, Washington might be somebody I might consider as a wide receiver three as a potential flex play, depending upon what your options are just because the matchup and the targets will be there. But I think the big thing is that Pat Fermuth is the one who really benefits from this, where you can continue to play him this week. He's already been getting himself to be a touchdown machine for Ben Roethlisberger. They've developed that rapport. And without Claypool, I think they'll lean on him even more so as that red zone target. He comes at a tight end 15. I may be moving him up the list as well. So where are you out in the pass catchers of it all? Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with Deontay Johnson as a must-play. 
I love the matchup. I think his volume is going to continue to be there, of course, week in, week out. I don't think Claypool in or out is going to change that at all. James Washington, I think, is more interesting in theory than in reality. Chase Claypool wasn't seeing a lot of targets. He wasn't heavily involved in this offense, and therefore well, I don't know. Seven targets is nothing to slub about. When was the last time he had seven targets? I had to look it up in front of me. I'm pretty sure it was two weeks ago. Because uh, I, I know from myself having Chase Claypool in my team, I've been disappointed in all these three, 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 tar- three catches for f- five targets, pretty much, and two of those usually are guys targets, quote unquote, or Ben Roethlisberger floaters out of bounds. Um, but I do think James Washington has an upside. Maybe DFS, you might run him out there. I wouldn't let necessarily be too confident to put him out as my receiver three this week. I think he might show better options. But I 100% agree with you. Pat Vermouth, I think, is the guy who benefits the most in this offense, as with Claypool being out. It means he solidifies as that main red zone target, and you might see actually some more volume to him in, in between the 20s. So I think he's the guy that I would target of anybody else outside of Deontay Johnson in the past catching. Even with, by the way, the expectation of Eric Ebron coming back this week, I, I don't care. Look, Eric Ebron is clear they're going to be moving on from him soon. I don't see why you would impede the progress that you've made with Pat Freeman by having Eric Ebron take away a significant amount of workload from him. And Najee Harris, just a quick mention, is my number one running back of the week against the Detroit Lions. Shocked, I know you all are. Bold, I know that is. Yeah, Najee Harris in line for a great game with all the volume he sees and a great matchup to put together a rare, efficient performance of what should be in his favor. Uh, as far as betting this game goes, if, you know, if my technology here would ever actually cooperate with me, but we got the we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at minus eight and a half, over under set at forty two. They should cover. They should have covered against Chicago. Now. I'll say this. I think Chicago with Justin Fields, even though it's been bad, is still in a better spot than Detroit Lions are. But Chris, are you going to bet anything on this game? So I think I have this super hard gut feeling that Pittsburgh might win the game, but this is I put them on upset alert. I don't want to bet this game. I think that Pittsburgh plays down to the competition and they have this entire season. Clearly. Their offense isn't good enough to kind of pull away from teams. And I think this is might be a game where they're going to let Detroit kind of hang around and couldn't possibly even choke at the end. So I think this is a game I personally am avoiding. I don't have great logic behind it because I think on paper it should be Pittsburgh, but I think Detroit's going to have a little fight. They had, you know, basically they got their butts kicked last time they played the Eagles. They're going to have some pride out there. And Pittsburgh just just plays clunky games. And I think they're one of those teams like Seattle. They play down in a competition when they should be able to blow out teams. They just don't do so. And I have some concerns, particularly with this offense being able to put up you know, a good amount of points. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, I don't have an upseller as far as losing the game, but I'm with you. I don't see how you can bet on them to cover. Now, on the flip side, I've been asked this before. Like, well, if you don't think one team is in a position to cover, why don't you just say, oh, I'll bet the team, you know, plus, in this case, Detroit plus eight and a half. Well, because the lines are made for a reason, and the lines are good for a reason. Steelers should on paper, beat the Lions by at least minus eight and a half. So I'm not going to bet on something something I think should shouldn't happen. I should say by betting on Detroit plus eight and a half, but it doesn't. It has too many range of outcomes the way these teams are playing right now, and that's why we say generally speaking no contest unless I feel good about the underdog team. Not going to go that direction. Although I will say this: the data will tell you that if you bet on the underdog more times than not this season you're probably in the green right now because of how the parity of the league has worked out. And these teams are really not covering. 
the way they are supposed to. So I will leave you with that little tidbit as we move into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team matchup. So Tampa Bay had some injury. We were waiting for them to come out of the bye, we're waiting for the injury news. Okay, what is it going to be? Okay, is Gronk going to be back? Is Antonio Brown going to be back? Well, it looks like it's probably going to be a hard no on both of those. Apparently, Antonio Brown's still dealing with some swelling. He did shed the walking boot. That's the good news. But Gronk, eh, not quite there. So there, it doesn't look like they're going to play. But then we got hit with another one. Chris Godwin, out of nowhere, another one where we, we heard nothing about this injury. And yes, it's Wednesday. Typically speaking, we will tell you not to panic on a Wednesday. But because they just came out of the bye, it's an injury we hadn't heard of before. This feels eerie similar to when they came out of the Thursday game and suddenly Antonio Brown wasn't playing. It feels very similar to that. So Chris Godwin listed with a foot issue. He doesn't practice today. And now we're on Chris Godwin watch. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the shockers, I think, of the day for myself. Um, you never, when I said that, you know, you don't get excited about Wednesday practices, except for after buys. When teams have a buy and are already have limited playmakers out there in the first place, and the guy's missing time that you have an injury you heard nothing about, you rather have a fear that there's an injury they didn't disclose or something happened between the buy and that therefore he's not healthy right now. So I am very concerned about Chris Godwin and that his availability. Um, and I think this is going to you know, kind of change this game in a lot of situations because I do think it limits Tom Brady's ceiling to a degree as well, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it does. Now, again, I made these rankings Tuesday night and the Wednesday. That's my first range ranking. So I had this ranked out as if Chris Goblin was going to play. Uh, I'll, obviously, I'll update this before the Thursday night game goes live, and I'll update it again one more time before Sunday. So Tom Brady was my QB3. Now, I don't think I'm going to have him any lower than QB5 because you still love the match against Washington. And as long as he's got Mike Evans, I think Tom Brady will ultimately be fine. But maybe he's not top three quarterback. So I'm not too concerned about that. I will say Mike Evans, who was my wide receiver nine, two spots behind Chris Godwin, who I did have in my wide receiver seven, he's going to move up. And he might be the reason why I'm moving Stephon Diggs out of my top five. I might be moving Mike Evans into my top five this matchup because he's going to get all the targets that he normally doesn't get to see. Plus, he's got the red zone ability. Plus, he loved a great matchup here. Plus, he's got Tom Brady. So you love Mike Evans here in this spot against Washington. But who we really need to talk about is Tyler Johnson. I know they got the hoopla. They signed Prashad Perryman. Look, he's still dealing with trying to get healthy. He's still coming off the practice squad. I'm not too worried about him for this week. But Tyler Johnson, when I go to redo my rankings, I can tell you right now, he's probably going to be in that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three territory for me. Yeah, I think Tyler Johnson, and you're also curious, Miller just came off the IR. It's not definitely he's going to play this week or not, but he does have a possibility he could play there, which is the guy that we I just wonder how many snaps he'd actually play if he does play this week. I wouldn't be surprised a decent amount. And he, you saw him kind of play over Tyler Johnson last year. So that's why I just I put his name out there just to kind of watch that monitor that. But I do think either one of those guys, depending on who kind of winds up being that de facto starter of Godwin is to be out, I do think are playable. And that's kind of why I was down more down on James Washington, because I think this game is the guys where I think there's a couple of filler receivers that have more of a higher ceiling and have more potential to be able to do something, especially in a, a pass first offense such as Tampa's. And I think they can have one of those two guys, depending on kind of how things unfolds could be definitely reproductive, if not both. I love Mike Evans, 100% with you on that. Yeah, I agree. Leonard Fournette's my RB15. Nothing with the receivers affect that in any kind of capacity. He's a must-play, obviously. 
The only other thing would be is I wish we knew for sure who, which tight end it was going to be heading into the week because then they would be also a good play, especially for touchdown potential. I lean towards OJ Howard. That's who it's been leaning towards heading into the bye with all things even. And you know, sometimes they get left out. But without Chris Godwin out there, I feel like they might be more involved. So OJ Howard, a deep sleeper for me this week but not actually in my redraft streaming territory. Maybe more of a DFS play. We'll see how that goes on Friday. Flip things over real quick to Washington. I think it's where do you rank Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick? Right now, I want to see how the practice report you know, wound up this week. So Gibson was limited on a Wednesday, like he typically is, but good sign that he's at least practicing. I do have him at 26, J.D. McKissick at 27 and half point PPR leagues as it stands today. I may flip that as we get closer to the week and put McKissick one spot ahead, anticipating that they're going to have to throw him the ball a bunch in this match. And, of course, Gibson's value heavily on the fall into the end zone because you don't love it against Tampa. But, Chris, how much confidence do you have in any of the Washington running backs this week? I think for myself, I have a lot more confidence in McKissick now, I had a lot more confidence in McKissick until the Godwin news because I thought they were going to be able to roll out and score you know, tons of points offensively. But I think you know, the closer the game, the more that kind of favors Robinson. Not Robinson, I'm sorry, Gibson. Yeah. Um, but I still think McKissick's the guy that I would trust a decent amount in this game. I think you're going to see he's been pretty much a safe floor for most of the season, particularly in the past situations that Gibson really hasn't ever really materialized as that third down back at all or the past situation back. They've kind of limited his availability. And I threw the ball to him a little bit more, but they also had Jared Patterson involved in the rushing game. So for me, McKissick's the one guy who has a clear role right now and is definitely the healthier of the two. So I think he has a slightly more you know, higher uh, confidence level to play him, but I don't love either guy if I can avoid doing so. And then Terry McLaurin is a wide receiver 10 for me. You do love him. The Tampa Bay secondary is still vastly depleted at the moment and some offense is going to have to come from somewhere. It's probably going to be McLaurin because now we found out that Logan Thomas may not be able to return. Like we previously thought this week worked out on Monday. Apparently it was too sore to practice today. He's that he's not out of the question just yet, but if he doesn't go Ricky seals, Jones would be a streaming option at the tight end position. I did have Logan Thomas ranked as my top 10 tight end coming into the week before we found out about the news. They, he, a little more questionable than we were anticipating, but let's just say a starting Washington tight end against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Are you going to play them with confidence, Chris? Yes, I think to me that they're absolutely the, pretty much the secondary playmakers in this passing game. Um, it's it's McLaurin and the tight end. That's pretty much all you've seen in a Hebrew silly fruit feature. And I think that's going to change regardless of who the, with who the tight end is. Agreed. Agreed. All right, guys. Guess what time it is? The mail's here. The mail is here. Remember, all you have to do to get on the mailbag segment is hit us up on social media at Show. Drop us a question in your DMs. I'll pick a few of the ones that are my favorites, but we'll answer all of them because we're all about helping all of MD Nation throughout your fantasy football endeavors and betting too, by the way. We're all about the money and the winning of the championships. So first up, we got JJ asking me trade questions. I got a bunch of these trade questions. I told you a lot of them had to do with Pollard. Trade Pittman for Jalen Waddle and Tony Pollard. I think the only reason you would you pull that trigger is if you're looking for an extra running back option or you have Zeke as you know, your handcuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't do that move. But the only reason I'd make that move if I really need a running back option. 
uh, it's what you said on the first thing. If you're the Zeke owner, fine, I can understand it. If not, no, there's no way in hell I pulled the trigger on that deal. Brian, do I drop Hubbard for Miles Sanders in a half-point PPR league? I think I'm actually going to answer on the side of the minority on this one, Chris. I think I'm going to say don't drop Hubbard for Miles Sanders. And the reason is this. McCaffrey has got to show that he can actually stay healthy for a length of time now, in my opinion, with the social with the, with, with the soft tissue issues that he's been having. He, he got through last game without having a setback, but we've seen him get out there, get injured, get injured again maybe a couple of weeks later. And I don't know how much upside Sanders has. Yes, he's the one who has probably the more probable starting in his pathway, but with Jordan Howard now back there and being successful – and they've turned to Boston Scott. When Miles Sanders comes back, I don't know if he's the lead guy. And even when he was the lead guy, they weren't giving him the ball much. It seems like they have turned to running the ball more now that Miles Sanders is out of the way. So I'm going to say, you know what? I think there's more potential on keeping Hubbard than picking up a Miles Sanders. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to disagree on this one. I think that if you're going to talk about not having Pollard or adding Pollard, you know, I think he's better handcuffed or a better guy to have on your bench. Miles Sanders than Chubba Hubbard. I'm not worried about Chubba Hubbard. I don't think he's going to be involved the week in, week out in this offense for the most part. And I do think Miles Sanders does have a role in this team. If, and I say a big if, Sirianna does stick to the running game, I think that he kind of fills that Boston Scott role, and therefore you have enough for him and Jordan Howard to both be successful in this offense. They have way better offensive line. I think a better quarterback situation, better team overall, offensively, I should say. Then I think that the, the other situation where I just I would stay away from that if I was you know I don't see Carolina looking good. Your your backup backup quarterback, your team can barely score points, and I I wouldn't I understand the Christian McCaffrey concern, but I wouldn't bet on that. I think Philadelphia hates Sanders, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the backup running back <laughs> when he comes back. And that that's kind of where I'm at. Again, I said I was going to be on the minority on that, but that's kind of where my interesting thought is. Uh, Cohen he asked, do I trade Melvin Gordon and Tyler Lockett for Nick Chubb? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would even even if Nick Chubb doesn't play this week, you have Tyler Lockett, which even with Russell Wilson, let's not forget he's been very boomer bust. He was struggling up until Wilson got hurt anyway. And Melvin Gordon, he's a nice play, but he's not an RB one. You need RB ones to win championships. There's so few of them, and Nick Chubb is one of them. Yeah, I just gotta say what you just said. Neither one of those guys you're trading an RB one. If you can get an RB one for two guys that aren't ones, you do that trade. Exactly. And then last but not least, Darren, should I trade Tyreek Hill for DeAndre Hopkins and Dearness Johnson? No, please don't do that, Darren. Look, I, I everybody has been on this like, okay, Chiefs are slumping. Do I sell off Tyreek? Tyreek Hill's been still getting a ton of targets last time I checked. Uh, yes, it was a bad game this week, but DeAndre Hopkins can't even stay healthy. Dearness Johnson is a one-week start. And when Kareem Hunt comes back, goes back to being completely irrelevant. He's not even a handcuff anymore. No, 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 no. Please, please don't sell off Tyree Kill for nothing, MD Nation. Please. 1,000% agree. Go back and look at the stats between those two players, between Hill and Hopkins, and then start, make, start analyzing, do you really want to make that trade? How dumb of an idea that is. Because no, you do not want to do that. For, and plus, a guy who might play one game while Nick Chubb has COVID. Exactly. All right, guys. That's going to do it for today's show remember keep in mind we will be back on the unhinged radio network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro tomorrow from 6 to 7 30 but we will won't be back again until friday morning i don't know what time yet we'll post it out on social media so make sure you're following us at billy fmd show 
and we will, of course, go over the Thursday night recap, the late slate window of games like the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, the Monday night games, those matchups, the bets, the fantasy expectations, and then we'll be back again with the MD's DFS contest, the free contest where we have free giveaways for you. Chris and I will go over our DraftKings lineup cards, and Chaz Flaherty will join the second half of the show to talk about our lock bets of the week. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us along in your favorite podcast streaming app. I'm Dan Maynard. This is Chris Dauhauer. We'll see you guys again soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.